This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. It is time for the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is our Monday tape slash Tuesday edition. So as this drops, Toby, it's right on the eve of a pretty big basketball game. As a matter of fact, you're on the road to the airport to get ready to travel to Connecticut for OU Auburn. Great call uh, on the three-pointer that sent the game to overtime. Great call overall with you and Kevin Henry. Loved listening on Saturday. Great effort from the Sooners, but just a little bit short. It's a pretty big game tomorrow night, or depending on when you consume this tonight, isn't it? Uh, it, it is a, a big game. Thank you very much for saying that, although I did say the wrong name on the, uh, a three-point shot at the buzzer. So I think that's the exact opposite of a great call. I think that's a <laughs> terrible call is what that is. And my, I, I heard it back, and I, you know, it's one of those – face palms as soon as you hear it it happens every so often uh unfortunately and uh in my defense we have a lot of jordans running around campus right now and uh it's hard to keep them all straight <laughs> so yeah i said jordan shepherd and it was jordan woodard to hit the last shot but back to uh your point it's a big game because at six and four right now for this OU basketball team, and with the Big 12 as good as we know it is, um, it's not too early to start kind of counting wins and figuring out how this team's going to get into the NCAA tournament and what kind of a record they'd have to have in league play. And So they need all the dubs they can get at this point. And Auburn's 8-2, and two, quality team, uh, perhaps an NCAA tournament team. They have just gotten a five-star freshman uh, two days or two games ago. Well, one game ago. This will be his second game against Oklahoma. Six foot eleven kid that they've added to their roster, which is going to make the Sooners uh, work a little bit more difficult. But yeah, this is big. And then you know you got Florida coming in in a non-conference game for the Big Twelve SEC shootout in mid-January. That's going to be really big because Florida's good. And, and you got to see what you can do in the Big 12, too. So I, I think maybe the bigger point, though, Chris, is before you and I start counting victories, I guess I'm the one doing it, before I start <laughs> counting wins and figuring out RPIs and all that kind of stuff, Lon Kruger's not thinking about that at all. He's trying to get this team in a positive frame of mind in the second half of games. And they could very easily be 9-1 and one right now if they could have finished out Northern Iowa. They could have finished out Wichita State. If they could have finished off Memphis the other day, they'd be nine and one, ranked and feeling great about themselves. But it's starting to become contagious, and this mindset starting to set in that uh oh, it's the second half. What's going to go wrong this time? How do we hang on? And that's not that's not what you want at all. So if they could go up to Connecticut and beat a good Auburn team feel good about themselves over the Christmas holiday and going into that big Baylor game on December 30th, then then who knows? Because they've got plenty of talent, that's for sure. Is it uh, – and again, I was really impressed with Jordan Shepard getting the opportunity to start. When I heard you bring that up on the pregame show, I kind of thought, okay, all right, uh, this, is, this is an interesting little wrinkle, and I think it works out well with him on the ball a little bit more. 
But is is this a matter just of the leadership continuing to develop from Latin and Jordan Woodard, or does it go a little bit deeper than that? Is that too much? Is that too easy? I guess kind of a narrative to take from this. Um, I don't. I don't think that's inaccurate. I think when you're talking about, you know, second halves and momentum is going against you, that you do need leadership. I mean, you need somebody to maybe more than anything step up and say, "I got this." You know, right. hit a big shot, and that's. I guess that's leadership. Or maybe get the guys together and say the right thing. Um, there, there's probably a little bit of a figuring out process going on there because Jordan Woodard, who's the senior on this team, has always been just kind of a. Um, what's a good way to put it? He hasn't had to be vocal because Buddy's been on this team, or Ryan Spangler, and there's been plenty of other guys who are willing to be vocal and Jordan just kind of has always quietly gone about his business. He's a quiet guy. And so asking him to change his personality is probably not fair. I think Kadeem Latin is the leader of this team. Probably he's, he's certainly vocal and, and uh, willing to kind of grab guys by the collar, but he's not playing his best basketball right now. He wants to be playing better and not always on the court when they're in the middle of these stretches. So, that's a little bit of a dilemma they've got. It might have to be a young guy. You know, it's, it's supposed to be an older guy, but it doesn't have to be. It might have to be a Jordan Shepard or a Christian James or a Rashard Odoms uh, who steps forward and, and becomes a leader at a younger age than we normally expect. But they've got to figure out a way to continue great first halves and make it Great second halves as well. If they could do that, this is going to be a formidable basketball team. And I agree with you about Jordan Shepard, by the way. He was fantastic. There was a couple of things, Chris, that came out of that game against Memphis that were really encouraging. One was the play of Jordan Shepard. 18 points, started the game, played 37 minutes, and didn't turn it over once at the point guard position against Memphis. And Jamani McNeese had by far the best game of his career. And they were going to him. They were running plays for him. He was forcing Memphis to double-team him because he was being so effective. And if he could gain some confidence from that and be a a presence like he was Saturday, then that is a brand-new, shiny toy that Lon Kruger has to play with this year. You know, one final thought on on hoops as we get set for OU and Auburn, depending on when you consume this, either tomorrow night or later on this evening – on the Sooner Radio Network. Again, if, you, uh, if you're not near an affiliate, our affiliate list, uh, affiliate list is online at Soonersports.com. You can download, uh, download the TuneIn Radio app and find the, uh, the OU Auburn game on the TuneIn Radio app for free. Is, is the starting lineup going to be fluid, or do you think Lon Kruger would rather have, these are my five guys and these are the five I'm going with? In other words, might it be kind of matchup, that old hot back theory to where, all right, you're going up against a team that might be bigger, so you might start your bigger lineup? Or do you think Coach Kruger, Toby, is one of those uh, guys that would rather have a set five all season? Well, I, mean, I think he's answered that question by the last three seasons. Right. I, mean, I think he would rather have a set lineup that starts all 30 games or 35 games or however long you go. Um, but until you figure out what that is, there, there might be some fluidity to it. And this isn't a surprise. I mean, right. we knew going into the year that um, it wasn't set, 
Uh, Christian Doolittle played well, wanted to shake it up. They tried uh, a Matt Freeman. That didn't work. Dante Buford got healthy, tried him. That went okay. But I think the most recent wrinkle is an effort more for Jordan Woodard's sake than anything else. To you know, they they had played four, five, six minutes, and then they would bring in another point guard and more do Jordan to the two. And then I think Lon Kruger said, "Listen, if that's our best mo, then let's just get to it." And so he's he's starting another point guard. Decided to go with Shepard over Strong more and move Jordan to the two immediately. And at least in game one, it worked. So is this the way it's going to be the rest of the year? I don't know. I I think it will be this way against Auburn because I think he was very happy with how that lineup played to start the game. But I don't think he'll be afraid to continue to tinker until he finds not just the starting lineup, but the right mix. I mean, it's important to have guys with pop coming off your bench and with Christian James coming off your bench. You know, that's exciting. All of a sudden, here you go. Four or five minutes into the game, here's another prolific score that's coming onto the court. So it's a combination of all the roles, finding out who fits where. And once he finds it, I think he'll, he'll stick with it. Toby, let's segue to football. Uh, again, we've got some time still before the Sugar Bowl. But I say that, uh, and, and again, next week's episode will be the first day after Christmas. And it's basically, you know, we're there. We're game week. Um, I'm excited. Two weeks from today, right? Yep, two weeks from today. I'm excited uh, not only to be on the road and, and to be in New Orleans and be a part of the Sugar Bowl, but I'm always intrigued whenever you have a break like this. And obviously it's been a pretty unique break for Oklahoma, uh, a couple of Heisman Trophy finalists, obviously a lot of stuff uh, newsworthy. But I, I'm real intrigued to see how this team handles this final game because is it kind of used as a springboard towards 2017, looking back at what we thought the Sugar Bowl against Alabama was the last time? Or is it a chance for Auburn to kind of go out and assert, hey, we're going to put Jarrett Stidham in here and we're going to be a problem next season? I think it's two teams that are really kind of trying to put a stamp on what their next season might look like. I mean, that might be an unfair way to look at it, but I think there's a lot of really neat storylines heading into this game uh, two weeks from today. I think to some extent, I agree. I, I think to some extent that is always the case unless you're playing for the national championship. Mm-hmm. And even then, if you're in the Final Four, to some extent that's the case. But True. But certainly if you're not, you're looking for a springboard. Uh, in a, and that's a small percentage of it, though, I think. I, I think the overwhelming percentage is this is the 2016 season. Right. And – we want to finish with the best record possible with the, you know, do this team justice. You know, we want to do this team the best we can to finish off and put a trophy in their hands. Uh, in addition to a big 12 championship trophy, a sugar bowl trophy and history looks back on the 2016, 17 season as 11 and two sugar bowl champs. I think that more, more than anything. Now there are the elements of, getting some freshman extra practice time, and and then if you win it, then you can take that into, as a springboard into recruiting and, and everybody's feeling good about themselves going into the offseason. But you spin that either way. I mean, if you lose it, then you use it as motivation, you know, going into next year. So I think all the springboard talk and, and uh, you know, Statement how, the, how it stuff. plays going into next year is, is – is true, but not a huge percentage of what's going on. The major percentage of what's going on here is 
Oklahoma wants to go win a football game, and Auburn wants to go win a football game, and it's the Big 12, and it's the SEC, and it's my guys against your guys, and there's pride on the line, and, you know, that's it. Forget about what this does for my psyche nine months from now. <laughs> that's, way, that's way, way in the back of, of brains, I believe. I like it. I, I like it. You've changed my perspective on it, Toby. Now, with that said... Uh, have you had an opportunity to watch the year in review yet? It's uh, I don't know for those that aren't familiar. It's a two, I believe, two hours. It's a two-hour feature that's put together, and it kind of tracks the Sooner season. And it's done with the big booming voice guy, and then it has our radio cuts that are spliced in throughout the season. And I've watched it, you know, every every time I can get the remote from my kids when they're not watching a Christmas movie. You really you can't appreciate until you look in the rear view just how dynamic Mayfield and Westbrook truly were. And in that, Toby, even the time, for instance, against Oklahoma State, when Westbrook goes down, how dynamic Baker was. I mean, I I know that everyone's expectation is national championship or bust every single year. But, man, these last two years, and it's unexpected. I mean, think about it. Baker Mayfield was a guy that said, I'm walking on to Oklahoma when Trevor Knight had just won the Sugar Bowl. You know, when everyone thought, this uh, this guy's crazy. And now I don't know if, you know, I, history books would probably argue with me and maybe because of the newness of it, but I don't know if we've seen a guy with that complete package from being able to throw it like he can to being able to run it to handling the media like he does to the personality that he has. I mean, this is – we're, we're set up for not only a, a special senior season based on the offensive weapons coming back, but also to kind of appreciate what Baker Mayfield has become. I feel like we lose sight of it a lot because we just expect it. But I was watching those uh, those throws, man. They were dimes. I mean, there's not a lot of times whenever guys had to go make one-handed catches because he's putting right on the money. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for next year to unfold and see exactly historically where we put this guy. Uh, amen. Amen. Be- because, you know, I mean, there's a chance. It's not, you know, it, it's a, I don't know what the likelihood is, but there's a chance he wins the Heisman Trophy, Oklahoma wins the national championship, and Baker Mayfield is known as the greatest quarterback in OU history. True. Um, you know, he's been, to, he's, he's been in the hunt for two Heismans already, went to the Heisman ceremony this year. What is he? He's finished fourth and third. Yep. In two years. Now, he's not there yet. I'm not willing to put him ahead of some other people yet, but he is dynamic on the field. And you're mentioning how dynamic he is off the field as well, which I think is a check mark that maybe some of the other quarterbacks haven't had as much. But I was thinking about you mentioned you started that by talking about Westbrook and, and Mayfield combination. I was thinking about them the other day. And and when you look back and you watch that show you're talking about, the year in review, or you just think in your brain, how many times Baker kind of rolled out and set up and is getting ready to throw it deep, that that didn't work. <laughs> like I, it, you know what I mean? Like it's you're right. hard to remember. Number one, it's hard to remember Westbrook not being open. Right. You just assume when Baker sets up and lets it fly, when my eyes move to the receiver, he's going to be open. Because he always is open. And it's hard to remember that being contested. I don't know why. I don't know why defenses so far, and maybe Auburn will figure it out, have not figured out a way to defend the deep pass. Maybe the uh, the uh, play action is so good or whatever. But the other thing I was thinking about is, can you remember D.D. Westbrook's drops 
this year. Yeah, like good point. Not many. I, I I'm sure there was one or yep. three or five. I can't remember him dropping a pass that was in his catch radius. Certainly, I mean, none of the deep balls come to mind. Um, I watched guys in the NFL yesterday shoot the Green Bay Packers, I think dropped five passes that could have been touchdowns. And um, so he he's had an amazing year. Baker's had an amazing year and a career and so grateful that he has decided to come back uh, so that we can watch him for another season. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. Hey, before I I let you run, I want you and I had a chance, and I guess I saw one of them hit yesterday when we were talking about the schedule. But we taped a couple of pieces for Sooner Sports TV and their Sugar Bowl coverage, and we were talking about the schedule. And last week, uh, right after I think essentially right after we had taped our podcast, the 2017 schedule was was dropped, and you know I wanted. I wanted to kind of make fun of and, and, and poke poke a little fun at the people that were losing their minds about Bedlam being moved from the last weekend. But then I realized, I mean, I didn't realize that it had been that long. It had been about 14 seasons, uh, 13, 14 seasons that this game had been the last game on the schedule, Toby. I mean, the, the TCU game a couple of years ago kind of, uh, it kind of imploded that a bit. But right up, ever since this has been a 12-team conference, you know, this had pretty much been – this had pretty – every since, I guess you could say, right right before the split, this had been the game to wrap up the season. So with that said, it doesn't bother me too much, but were you surprised to see Bedlam moved up to November 4th like it was? And it doesn't bother you at all. Yeah, I don't think it matters when you play it. I mean, if, uh, if it's early November, it's still going to be fun. If late November, it's still going to be fun. Um you know, Bedlam's a fun game whenever you play it. So I'm not surprised at all. I think that, you know, the reality of the situation is I think a lot of people think that Bob Bowlesby or Bob Bird or whoever's in the Big 12 office sits around with a pen and a piece of paper and tries to diagram the schedule to make it as intriguing as possible, and then they shuffle things around, and and then, you know, they rub their hands together and laugh. <laughs> you know, and it's just <laughs> That's not how it works. I mean, there's a computer. There's computer programs that spit out baseball schedules and NFL schedules, and and the Big 12 does the same thing. And so it's pretty simple. Other than wanting to put OU Texas on the same weekend, they throw it in. The computer spits it out. A couple of things might need to be tweaked to get games on a Thursday night or, or to fulfill some TV contracts. But for the most part, it's pretty random. And now I think Oklahoma State's game has just been kind of thrown back into that computer, too. And this is when the computers spat it out this time. So not that, that doesn't bother me at all. I think it'll be uh, fun to have a Big 12 championship game again, too. Yahoo. My phone didn't die. Toby, appreciate it, buddy. Have a great trip to, uh, to Auburn and look forward to uh, seeing you down in New Orleans. Chris, uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family and to all of the podcast listeners out there and uh, – We'll talk to you on down the line, buddy. So there he is, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. And we'll probably take Christmas off next week. But you never know. That's why you need to subscribe. Go to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Or you can uh, subscribe by searching Sooner Radio Network on iTunes. Thanks to Toby Rowland. Everyone have a great Christmas week. We'll see you back here soon on the Sooner Sports Podcast. In fact, I'll be back on Thursday with the tailgate. We'll start getting you ready for Auburn. 
against Oklahoma and Auburn coming up in the Sugar Bowl. You can learn more about the Tigers and the Sooners' preparation online at Soonersports.com. Until then, have a great holiday week. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.